Welcome back to Hat Trick Lax Picks, the show where we analyze every game from every conference so you can make the best picks. As always, we're your hosts, the three Garretts. We have arrived to the promised land. It is the NCAA tournament. All conference play is over. All regular season over. We have conference champions. We have a bracket. We have maybe one questionable snub. Otherwise, a pretty non-controversial selection Sunday. I believe that Yale should have got in. My two colleagues here happen to disagree with me. Give Tierney one last ride. That's all I was. I wanted them to do, and they didn't do it, and I'm disappointed. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I mean, like, the the amount of 50-50, like, situation that was for the committee to decide to flip a coin, like, how do you not give it to Tierney and his boys for one last swan song? Um, I mean, yeah, I get it. They weren't the greatest team, but neither was Yale. They They stunk for a good stretch for a while um but you know just how the cookie crumbles i guess uh but you know we're just here to analyze games and you know give our takes here um and we certainly have a very interesting uh championship tournament here um a lot of weird seedings in my opinion a lot of teams that i thought should have gone higher um and i know you guys uh, agree as well um but before we go into that, do we want to just jump into top 20? Let's go for it. All righty. So, wow. So, yeah, only one team. We had only one team receiving votes, and it was Delaware, surprisingly. Um, oh, now that I look at it, now that I look at who's at 20, now I understand why. But, yes, Delaware is our only receiving votes category. Tracking the top 20. For the first time in a very long time, I think, unless I'm not remembering correctly, is the Richmond Spiders, the A-10 champions, uh, both the men's and women's program winning the inaugural A-10 championship, both earning the AQs. At number 19, we have Bryant, champions of the America East, their first year in the conference, followed by North Carolina, the Penn Quakers, and Syracuse finishes their year at 16, which by all accounts has got to be a big success for them. The top 15 starts with Utah at 15. Villanova is at 14. Yale is 13. Princeton is 12. And Army is 11. Denver is our highest ranked team not in the tournament at number 10. Cornell at nine, Hopkins at eight, Michigan, Big Ten champions all the way up to number seven, Penn State at six. We have one very new face since preseason in our top five. We have Maryland number five, Georgetown for us jumps up to number four after their very dominant weekend. Notre Dame is at three. Virginia two and Duke is our final weekly number one team. A lot of teams shown back up. Um, Michigan, probably the biggest surprise since preseason um, and Georgetown, you know, they're, they're finally back where uh, I think they all thought they, they deserved to be. Um, next up we have dog of the week. And to be quite honest, I told these guys right before the podcast that 
you know, I'm just going to be real lazy with it because there was really only one thing that stood out to me, and that was just Michigan's team defense. I mean, you held Maryland to four goals in the first half. You only hold them to one goal in the second half. Um, granted, I don't think Maryland's defense has been great all year, but it's a, it's a John Tillman coach team. It's Maryland. They've been good every year. They've practically owned the Big Ten tournament and the Big Ten the last few years. Uh, and, you know, Michigan, without being young, they uh, young of a team they are, how young of a program they are, it's pretty sweet to uh, see them climb the top of the mountain and get a bid to the tournament. So uh, they they wouldn't have gotten it done without that Michigan defense, uh, most certainly. They owned the game. They didn't give anything easy to Maryland. Uh, just a very great team defense win by the Wolverines on Saturday night. Yeah, they locked down the entirety of the Big Ten tournament, not even just in that Maryland game, but in that Penn State game too. I mean, that especially uh their freshman goalie who Taylor, I think, right? Yeah. When he came in mm-hmm. that second half against Penn State, especially, he was locked in. Um moving on to our records from this past weekend. We only had 33 games, a little bit of a lighter week since we're winding down the season. And we all did basically the same. Voigt did 21 and 10, which brings his season total to 389 and 154. Glazer and I both went 22 and 11. That puts Glazer at 406 and 137 on the season. And I am at 410 and 133 for the season. Since we're moving into national tournament, national championship time, um, I'm just going to go back over the points that we have, the points that we keep for ourselves, since they are also incredibly close. Voigt has 500 flat. Glazer has 516, and I have 517. So everything to play for this last weekend that we have. And every single round, the point weight of winning a game correctly gets much higher. So the deeper we go, the more important each game is that we pick. Starting with this first round, too, I think they're what? three or how much yep. is a I believe the first round? two rounds are three the semifinals are four and the championship is five five okay with that shall we get to our play-in game oh Absolutely. yes oh yes arguably arguably the most exciting play-in game in a decade I believe is on our hands Wednesday night 7 p.m in the first state of Delaware. We have the CAA champion Delaware Blue Hens 6 and 0 all time against the MAC champion Red Foxes of Marist. Last year Delaware won this matchup in the regular season 18 to 9 early in March. I think Delaware has to feel a little bit snubbed by being forced to play in this playing game, but that's just how the RPI works. It's how their season worked like all the other kind of lower tier conference teams were just ahead of them. So this is where they're at. My heart and part of my mind is just exceptionally high on the Red Foxes. They are on a different kind of tear. One of the best win streaks of the country, six straight. Delaware has had a much harder time than them. They've dropped that one to Towson. They've 
just had closer, tougher games. And even against Stony Brook, they commanded that championship game. But the Seawolves never totally went away. Boys, I came into today really wanting to take the Red Foxes. And I wanted to put that Red Fox logo down. But if you look at the stats, Delaware is just better in every category except face-off win percentage and that's pretty close and i think that's indicative of just delaware playing in a tougher conference a tougher out-of-conference schedule like as good as marist is it's no longer the mac it is a different level of opponent and i think delaware at home it's hard to go against the blue hens would love to see the mac win a play-in game but I have to go with a sensible pick here and what the stats are telling me. And, and it's very clearly in, in the, in the blue hens corner. Yeah. I, I said before we started recording to both Glazer and Voight that this game honestly feels like the one that is a true 50, 50 to me out of any game this weekend. I, if this was played at neutral site, I would be a lot more favorable to pick Marist, but Delaware has been exceptional at home this season um, they're eight and two and their only two losses date all the way back to the end of February, beginning of March. And that was to Villanova by one goal and Michigan by four goals. And the Michigan loss by only four is looking a lot more impressive right now than it did about three weeks ago. Um, but this team's very good at home. And just like Glazer said, I'm not going to echo it too much, but the CAA is most certainly a step above the Mac and Marist has only faced Mac opponents for the last two months. Now they haven't seen anything outside of that. And even the best Mac team is only dead average in the CAA and Delaware just ran through the best teams in that conference tournament. So just because of the experience, the work level, and also, I mean, Delaware has some guys that, they were at the national championship game last year and they won a tournament game, not just a play-in game. They won a tournament game. So that experience, I think is going to help a lot. I think they're going to go into this game feeling very confident and also disrespected. Like Glazer said that they have to play a play-in game. So fully expect Delaware to win this one. I think it'll be a close game, but I really do think Delaware is going to come out with the win. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a, a fairly close game. Um, closer than I think, you know, what DraftKings is saying or anybody else is really saying, like, oh, Delaware is going to blow them out of the water. I don't think that's the case. Uh, yeah, I this is this is the best team Maris is going to face all year. Um, well, actually, no, granted, they have played Rutgers and Jacksonville and Bellarmine. Um, Bellarmine was really the only close game. I can see – I see that game being very similar to uh, – um, how this Delaware game is going to go. I think it's maybe a three-goal difference for Delaware. Um, and, yeah, I also just think Delaware's offense uh, is just miles better than Marist's defense. Uh, it's going to be the toughest offense they've faced all year um, since – or, well, since uh, since the since February, really. Uh, so, yeah, I don't see a world where the Blue Hens lose this game at home. Um, but, you know – I've been proven wrong before. Mayors could make me eat my words and make us eat all of our words on Wednesday night, but we'll just have to wait and see. Moving on to our first Saturday matchup in the actual bracket, we have the 15 bracket seated Richmond Spiders playing the two seated 
Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, Richmond did look great in that A-10 conference tournament. And I actually mean, like, they surprised me a lot in the way they beat UMass in the first, in the semifinals, and then High Point in the finals. I, I thought those were going to be a close games because in the regular season, basically all of the A-10 matchups were. Um, minus St. Bonnie's. But uh, they were not close. I Like, Richmond completely throttled them. So I, I do think this game will look much different than Richmond and Virginia's first meeting because this is one of a few rematches. Um, no, is this the only rematch that, in the first round? This is the only rematch in the first round. Never mind. Georgetown. Uh, yeah. This is the only rematch. And I think it will be much different than the throttling that Virginia gave them because that was a if you're a Richmond fan, that was a tough game for you. I I don't think anybody likes getting beat 25 to 8. Uh I think this will be a lot closer than that, but I still think Virginia handles their business and gets on to the quarterfinals. Yeah, I was wrong. I thought they I thought Georgetown had already played Yale already, but um I was probably thinking Princeton. Uh but as far as this game, yeah. As far as this game goes, um I think it's a no-brainer that it's UVA. But again, Richmond, they just they've gotten better every week every week and every game. So I think really anything can happen. But this UVA team, they're I think they're just too talented. Their defense is really freaking tall. Um I think they're just gonna reach over these guys and like take the ball away from them, really. I like granted to Richmond, they won the A10 and they earned it for sure. But this is just kind of a uh, this is a very tough matchup for them. Um, I really like UVA in this game. Um, I could see it being pretty close. I think it would probably be within five, possibly. But again, we'll just have to wait and see. Long week of practice for these guys. Long week of film. They're going to be studying. They're, it's it's going to be insane. Um, so really, anything can happen. I'm really, I'm really just excited for all these matchups. But I think UVA is going to handle this game. Yeah, I think this matchup. First of all, I had this one picked out pretty much by Saturday afternoon, um, given where I felt Richmond's seeding would be and where I figured Virginia's seeding would be, and just how much the selection committee prioritizes minim- minimizing travel. This was a logical matchup in the first round. Um, even though it's a replay earlier in the year. I'm going to totally agree with both of you guys. I, I think this game is much closer than 25 to 8. Richmond is clearly a different team than when they played the Cavaliers earlier in the year. And we also have to remember Virginia was probably piling it on, remembering that the Spiders beat them last year. So they want to kind of send an extra message in that first rematch. Um because these two teams are so close to each other, I think the most exciting part about this game is seeing what what the stadium looks like in terms of fans. I, I really hope we get a great showing from the Spider Faithful as well as um, you know the Cavalier Faithful. They always attend games well. So I think this game on TV could look really good, and certainly Richmond's going to play with some emotion, but it's just not a matchup that I think Richmond wins in any department. And I I do think the Cavaliers win probably somewhere in the six to seven goal margin for me. Our next matchup, we have the bracket seated 14th Utah Utes taking on the three seated Notre Dame fighting Irish. Uh, 
Utah, I, hats off to you. Made your first national championship tournament um, in your fifth season being a D1 team. That's a hell of an accomplishment. Uh, however, crappiest luck of all time that you have to pay, play Notre Dame in the first round because, oh my God. Um, I, the over-under void, you, you sent the text, was it 29 and a half, right, for this game? Or something ridiculously high like that for the over underline. It's somewhere the in over. the high twenties. Take the yeah. over. I, I would take the over, and I honestly think Notre Dame's gonna score twenty of those. Um Yeah, it's, it's just uh, gonna be it, sorry, it was initially twenty nine and a half. Now it's down to twenty eight, but still um Take the over. <laughs> still yeah. would take the over, yeah. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of high overs in these first round games, especially on Saturday. Um, I Notre Dame just dropped 18 on North Carolina. And I, I like to imagine that North Carolina's defense is just a little bit better than Utah's. Yeah. So I can't imagine what the Kavanaugh's are going to do to this Utah Utes team. They have not seen an attackman or attack duo straight up offense like this one yet this entire season. I think Utah's offense is going to be able to put points on the board. I think that they've got really, really talented players, but I just not good enough to outscore Notre Dame's against their defense. Fighting Irish all the way in this one. This will be an entertaining game, though, for sure. Maybe not too close, but entertaining. Yeah, I, this is another matchup for pure travel reasons made 100%. It was almost a certain certainty given the two team seedings and, you know, Utah try, trying to make Utah travel the least amount as possible. Um, but it makes for a really interesting matchup. If we remember, I think one of the more interesting matchups um, that Notre Dame has played was Drexel a few years ago. And, and Drexel was kind of a team like Utah in terms of the scoring department. Um, Utah started the year one and four. They were our panic team, I'm pretty sure, around that time. I know Voigt was certainly pressing the panic button on them. But they are 12 and 0 since then. They have not lost. Uh, that is, I think, an equal. I'm sorry, they're 11 and 0 since then, not 12. So, almost as long as a win streak as as Georgetown. They rolled through the A Sun. It is really hard to go undefeated in the regular season and win a conference championship. They couldn't do it last year. This year, they figured it out. Also, they are still, I think, the second highest scoring team in the country behind Virginia. So, again. Take the over if you are a betting person. However, the Irish flat out look unstoppable except against one team called Virginia. Everyone else, I think they beat. And until they play Virginia again, I think they cruise. Yeah, it's the easy pick here. Notre Dame is clearly the better team. Hats off to Utah. I mean, they went undefeated in the ASUN, they did everything they could. Um, you know, if geography wasn't a big deal, they're probably playing like a Big Ten team or Cornell, maybe not nah, probably not Cornell, but maybe a Big Ten team or Georgetown. Um, but either way, I, I think Notre Dame is just the big, the better team here. Utah, they pile on the goals. Uh, they can kill you in transition, too. But Notre Dame has perfected that to a T. Um, when Utah does it, it's more like chaos ball and, you know. It's just waiting for the right guy to be in the right spot at the right time. Um, whereas Notre Dame, it's very calculated. Uh, Chris and Pat, they've 
they got the chemistry. They've been playing lacrosse with each other for their whole lives. So they're, they're just a different level uh, to transition for Notre Dame as opposed to Utah's transition. I really like Notre Dame to win this game and win the next one, to be quite honest with you. Uh, it's it's going to be an exciting, exciting uh, first round game for sure. But I would love to see Utah uh, send a message early. I think that would make the game that much more enticing. Next up, we have the seventh seeded Georgetown Hoyas hosting you know, for lack of a better term, the 10 seeded Yale Bulldogs. I think we all agree, given our rankings, our top 20 rankings, Georgetown is our personal four seed. I think, Boyd, I know you and I in our bracket projections have them at number four. Mm-hmm. This team, I think, is the committee wasn't convinced by their first three losses of the year. I think that was still a holdup for them. And like, what did Georgetown lose one game last year before losing to Delaware? Yeah. I mean, it, mm-hmm. this team has had, barring those first three games of the year, an incredible winning percentage over the past two or three years. I mean, five straight Big East championships, that is that is one hell of a run. So for that reason, I'm pretty surprised by this matchup. Um, I think Georgetown probably deserved a maybe, quote, easier first round game than Yale. But that's just how it happens. You're going to have to be good people. So I think Georgetown is is fine with it. And I think they handle it well. For me right now, the biggest thing for Georgetown isn't their offense. Yes, it's prolific. It's the defense. The mm-hmm. defense is coming together really nicely, right? This is a group that I think allowed the fewest goals per game last year. Um, they So they had incredible high aspirations. And they just haven't delivered in the same statistical sense this year. But I think they're on track now. And I really think their goal goaltender and their close defensive unit is 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 just playing lights out. I mean, that Denver team can score some goals and holding them to to five, six, exceptional. All right. On the flip side, Yale, I get how you guys think Denver should be in over them, but they're six and one in their last seven. They took care of Yale. They won that game. They knew they had to. Their RPI is good. Yeah, the Ivy Championship was ugly, but we know how teams play this weekend when their back's against the wall. So I, I get it. I'm taking Georgetown here, and I'm taking them for one reason and one reason alone. Do you really think they're losing in the first round like they did last year? No Hell way. No. no way. Take the Hoyas. Yeah, I like Georgetown for all those reasons as well. Um yeah, they should be ranked higher, but, you know, the committee wants Yale in the tournament, so, you know, Georgetown's got to suffer for that. Yeah, I, yeah, Glazer's laughing at that one. I like <laughs> Um But, yeah, I, 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 yeah, Georgetown should wipe the floor with these kids, to be quite honest with you. I don't know if Yale has, let me, let me take a quick look at Yale's schedule real quick. Um, sorry, I'm very unprepared. They had that three-game losing streak in the middle of the year to Cornell, Princeton, and Penn. Then yeah. that killed them. Yeah, I'm just looking at defense, though, because, like, yeah, the last time they played a pretty decent defense, like, Cornell is a pretty good defense, but they they don't they don't have what – they don't have Will Bowen. They have a Gavin Adler, 
which is nice to have, but they don't have a big stocky guy down there on close who can bench press you and just beat you on one-on-ones all the time. Um, I would say the last team that was similar to something like that was their game against Penn. And if you look all the way back at their schedule, that was back in April 1st. Um, Before that, I think it's probably Penn State and Denver um, in the early parts of March and uh, late February. So, and yeah, they're six, Yale's six and one, but they've also played Dartmouth, Brown, Albany, Harvard, Cornell, and Princeton. Um, and they play Boston U uh, right after they lost a pen by one goal. Uh, granted, yeah, Georgetown, they have, they're, they don't have like the, the, uh, they don't have the toughest conference or conference tournament, but they beat Villanova, they beat Denver. And they've won 12 straight. They haven't lost since February. They're a really good freaking team. I think, I, I know I've given them a ton of shit all year. And Dryband has been on the butt end of that all year. And As so, he should. <laughs> um, but I'm willing to admit they are a really good team. I think they have the best chance to beat UVA as a seven seed. Any other se- Any other team who's a seven seed kiss that game goodbye. I don't think you're winning if you're Penn State, Maryland, or Hopkins in that matter. I think Georgetown's a perfect 7C team to take down this UVA uh, Cavaliers team and move to the Final Four. I'll be brief because you both just gave great praises of Georgetown, and that's what I want to do as well. I am taking the Hoyas. Um, I touched on this, I think, in just the championship podcast that we had this past Friday. And neither of you have mentioned him yet by name, but Tucker Dordovic is a man on a freaking mission right now. I mentioned the five point scoring run. He continued that. And now it is seven games in a row that he has scored at least five points during those seven games. What is even more impressive to me is that he is shooting an insane 46%. That means every other shot he's taking is in the back of the net. Just in the back of the net. That's crazy. And he's taken 72 shots over those seven games. So he's averaging seven shots, or like 10 shots a game and five goals. That's incredible. This man is putting this team on his back. And I think he realizes that this is obviously his last chance to do this. And Dordovic is an alpha on the attack side of the field and Georgetown has so many complimentary pieces. I think it just took them three games to understand, Hey, we just need the offense to run through Dordovic all the time. And that's what they're doing. And now all the other complimentary pieces are just falling into place. I mean, if you look at the score, like the breakdown of scoring and points for this team, Dordovic sits at the top. He's on the throne. He's got 70 points this season right after him though. There are, four guys ranging from 47 to 36. That is very consistent on the outside of Dordovic. I love the production they get from other people besides Dordovic, but it's also the consistency of Dordovic just to take over any game that he's in. And because of that, I, this team looks great to me. And I, I completely agree that I think that out of any team and I'll put it broader than just Virginia. I think out of any team in the field right now, 
Georgetown has the best chance to upset any of the big three ACC teams. Absolutely. I agree with that tenfold. Um, yeah. And this next matchup, I'm not too psyched for. I'm just going to be quite blunt about it. Um, the 12 seed Army Black Knights is taking on the Maryland Terps, who are somehow at the four seed. I don't know how you finish third in the Big Ten in the regular season, lose to Michigan the way you do in the Big Ten championship, and just be gifted the four seed doesn't make sense to me. And I'm a Terp fan. I just don't think they earned that. I mean, granted, they have they have a do they do have a good RPI. They beat UVA um, and a handful of other teams who are. I think beating Hopkins five. in the in the semis was huge for them to get that. Yeah, agreed. I, the fact that they have a win over Virginia, the only team outside of the big three that has beaten one of the big three, I think that just lifted their RP up, RPI up, and the committee was like, here you go. Yeah. You just get to sit right here, Maryland. You're the only yeah. one that's proven you can do it. Which respect. I mean, they did. It's a damn good Virginia team. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, that win against UVA, I think that just locked up like a top five spot in the tournament. Um, yeah. Should it be four? Maybe not, if you ask me. <laughs> but if you ask my father down just downstairs, he's going to tell you otherwise. Um, uh, we had a riveting conversation about that earlier today. Um, I think Maryland wins this game. I don't have much analysis on it, to be quite frank. I just, I think they're going to win this game. But this is like... This game is also like the most upset alert game, I think, for uh, this week. Um, Army's a really good team. They won the Patriot League. You know, they've stood toe to toe with Cornell. They uh, beat Rutgers. Uh, I think we can all just chalk that UMass loss at the beginning of the season to really just a throwaway game, to be quite fair. Um, they're a really good team. They are a tough team. I mean, they're it's it's freaking army. Like those guys train harder than anybody else in the country. So if you're Maryland and you're expecting to not get punched in the mouth, you need to get punched in the mouth before this game. Absolutely. Um, I think Maryland wins because I just think that Maryland's defense is really solid and I'm hoping that Maryland's offense can just put it together for one game, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm very nervous for this game and for the Terps, uh, especially how their offense is playing, but I think their defense can help them out and win this game for them. I am going to do it. I am taking Army in this game. This Black Knights squad, I think the best thing that could have happened to them is not only losing to Cornell, but losing in conference to Boston during the regular season. They played great during the conference. And honestly, I know I shit on Loyola, but oh my God, during the conference tournament, Loyola became the Loyola that beat Maryland and Hopkins at the beginning of the year. And that is a really, 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 really good ball club. I don't know how they found the old spark, but they found it. And guess who took that team down? Army did. And they did it in a great way. And they also withheld a late Leola comeback too, which just impressed me even more. Impressed me even more. Um, 
there's two like main statistical factors that I want to take Army. The first one is Luke Weirman has not looked like his normal, completely, utterly dominant self the last few weeks. And Will Coletti, Army's Fogo, has been playing balls to the wall the last few weeks. And just to like give one specific game, because they played Lehigh in the conference uh, semifinals, he won 56% against Sisselberger, arguably the best Fogo in the country this year. So this man is feeling himself, and I think if Army can dominate possessions, that'll go a long way because the second factor in me picking Army is the last four games since Maryland lost at home to Hopkins, Maryland has looked shaky to me and not like a Maryland team. Mm -hmm. Bar the Hopkins game in which they did look like a Maryland team, they only looked like a Maryland team for about... 80% 80% of that game. The first eight minutes when Hopkins just ran up to a 3-0 start, they did not look like a Maryland team. And that Rutgers game at home, they looked completely not like a Maryland team. I mean, they won, but they only won by three against the Rutgers team that just kind of had... They didn't look great, and Maryland also did not look great that game. I love the momentum that this army team is on right now. And Voight, honestly, my heart is telling me to pick army because of what you said and how gritty this army team is. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the two close losses, they are used to close losses right now. So is Maryland. They had the loss to Hopkins, but I just, this army team has not lost by more than two goals this season. So this is going to be a close game. First and foremost, I just, I, I love the way the army is playing and I think that they have juice on their side and we all know that they might have the best sideline in the country besides Maryland. So this is going to be a great matchup, just entertaining by that point. But I, I, I don't know, something in my guts just saying this is screaming upset to me and I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm going to side with the black Knights in this one, get their, would this be their first national Tournament win? I have no idea. They've Maybe got. They probably, they've they've had probably have, have one. No, they First have one, national championships. Wait, wait, they do. One. Okay. First one in a while, though, that I can remember at least. This this game is this game is it's a challenge. It is a challenge. I will first frame it by saying this was the third game that I had predicted before the bracket came out. However, I had this as the Georgetown seeded game. I had Maryland as the seventh seed and Army as the 10th seed. So I had Army higher and Maryland lower than it ended up being. But anyway, I think this is the matchup. I think the committee gave lacrosse fans across the country a huge favor by delivering this game in the first round. Army has just proven people wrong all year about their ability, about their ability to rebound after losing all those seniors in Nick turn. But at the same time, driving, you call it momentum. I kind of feel like Army is not limping into this game, but they could be stronger. And I say that because I wish Army beat other Patriot teams by a greater margin. They Mm -hmm. beat Bucknell by four or five they beat colgate by one and they beat loyola by two and yes of course that's a different loyola team it's a championship game but 
I would just I would feel like I would want to take an army team that was on a better tear. Maryland looked objectively bad. Objectively mm-hmm. bad. Uh, Michigan gave the blueprint for beating Maryland, and it starts with defense. And boy, is Army good at defense. In the past five minutes, as you guys have been talking, I've gone from Maryland to Army, from Maryland to Army, because I think we all know in our heads, this is John Tillman. This is Maryland. This is the tournament. This is where this team's bread and butter is. But here's the concern there. This team hasn't showed the same maturity as prior Maryland teams have in terms of just their ability to win in big moments. Dryband, I would love to differ than you and win this game and take the Terps. I would love it, but I think it's the Black Knights. Yes. I think Army is on a mission, and I think this, unlike most teams that rebound after a loss, I'm just not seeing it from Maryland. I'm just not. And that what I am seeing is an Army bench, which I think is the most exciting bench in the country in terms of goal celebrations, lifting this team to a first-round upset. Give me the Black Knights. All right, now we're moving into Sunday's slate. Uh, we have our Dark Horse team, the number 11 seed, Bryant Bulldogs, uh, traveling down to Homewood Field to take on the Blue Jays. I told you guys, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, this Brian team is special. I think this Brian team is special for all the same reasons that you guys think Army is going to beat Maryland. I love their bench. I love their defense. I love their midfield. Like they had, did you see the celebration that they had after the selection sh- during the selection show? Yeah, like, it was crazy. And they those, knew they were in. Like <laughs> those those guys yeah. looked like they could eat me. I like yeah. it. They're really big. They play really tough. Yes, they've been in some close games, and they have played in the American East. Talk about that all you want. Everything gets thrown out of the window during the NCAA tournament, and I think this Bryan team is hot. I And before anybody gets into my, like, Hopkins bias and, like, screw Hopkins, <laughs> I, just, I told you guys two weeks ago, a week ago, that this team is special, and I'm probably taking them in the first round. It's just unfortunate for the Hopkins that <laughs> Brian is playing Hopkins. So uh, the Bulldogs, I think they got a lot of juice. I think Hopkins, you know, they did lose in the semifinal to Penn State, but I think they're walking into this one like, oh, we're much better team. We're Johns Hopkins. We're the Blue Jays. Um, <laughs> Why is Hopkins in persona a middle-aged country club golfer? <laughs> it's on, it's, hey, it's on par. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um. Yeah, give me the Bulldogs. Um, sorry to all the Hopkins meat riders, but I'm not sorry at all. <laughs> I can't follow that. Dry band, you have to. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, Voy, I first want to say I respect the pick a lot. Brian is a fantastic team, and they're – I, I will say their comeback against Albany might've been the best. That was definitely the best conference championship game of the weekend. Um, I, them scoring to tie and then winning an OT. I, the team is gritty. And that was a really 
possessed Albany team too, especially after their win against Vermont. Like they blew out Vermont and then Bryant was able to handle them in that championship game. Impressed me a hell of a lot. It is unfortunate they have to play Hopkins in the first round because I might have picked them had it been a lower seed, but I also didn't think Brian was going to get ranked any higher than this. Um, I just, I, Hopkins has played in too many big games against big teams this year, even outside of the big 10. Also, I just, Brian has really only played against Brown outside BU. Uh, of the America East and BU at the very beginning of the season. So uh, not playing against like the highest competition worries me and stops me from wanting to take them in this matchup. Their offense is prolific. And I really do think they'll put up at least 10 goals against Hopkins. But I also, at the same time, just think that Brian's defense has looked shaky in the past and I think Hopkins offense is going to turn it around from their abysmal offensive showing against Maryland. And I think they're going to be able to put numbers up on Brian to the point that their offense is not going to be able to keep up. Um, I think the most interesting part of this game though, is going to be the face off X. Uh, for those of you who have not been like keeping up with Bryant, their Fogo, uh, Nathan Laliberte or something like that. He's 60% on the year. He's like one of the highest FOGO percentage-wise, I think, in the league. And the man's good. He has 13 points, too. So when he gets the ball on a stick, there's fast break opportunities almost every game. Um, Him against, uh, God, what is it, Dunn or whatever Hopkins FOGO is? I don't remember his name. That'll be a really, really good matchup. And I think it'll be 50-50 split. So it'll be interesting to see how both of these offenses have you know, a lot of possessions. I think there will be a lot of possessions for both teams in this game. It's going to be a great game, but I just, I I have to pick Hopkins in this one. I think Hopkins is getting away with something here. I really do. I just read Terry Foy's analysis on the bracket and um, I have to agree with him. I thought Hopkins would be taking on Princeton in the first round. And that's not meant to disrespect Bryant. We've just cataloged how good of a team this they are. But I thought Hopkins would pro- would be given a, a more challenging on paper opponent than Bryant, especially given their seed at number eight. I'm sorry, number six. That being said, I think the more important thing here is Hopkins is playing at Homewood, and I I think Hopkins is like forty and five, or like they have an incredible playoff winning percentage in the tournament at Homewood. They just they don't lose there, and I don't think they lose to a Bryant team who struggled to win the America East Championship. All credit to Albany, but Bryant had to have essentially a miracle backdoor pass to tie that game and win it in overtime. Bryant has put up fights. They We remember how closely they played Maryland a couple of years ago, maybe two years in a row after winning the play-in game. And I think it means a lot for Bryant to not be in the play-in game for their first year new conference. Like, this team's definitely going places under their new head coach. But I think Hopkins has just had a much better season, and they have their sights set on a championship weekend berth. I think for Hopkins, that's the goal right now. So they, I think they get through Bryant. 
some this I feel like this conver- I feel like we've had one of these type of conversations with uh, certain two teams, Georgetown and Delaware. Mm, right. So right. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Stay away, meat riders. I got my. I got my. <laughs> <laughs> Next uh, up, we have what I think the three of us can agree is the game of the weekend. Absolutely. We have Cornell taking on Big Ten champions, Big Blue. The only surprise here for me is that this game is in Ithaca. I think everyone, including ourselves, had Michigan and Cornell as the 8-9 matchup. Everyone did across the country, I feel. But at least for me, and I think for Voight, you as well, in our bracketology, we had Michigan hosting this game. And I think that would have been a huge bump to the Wolverines' chances in this game, just to be able to host a game. Like, that would be awesome for that program. Cornell has been, frankly, a little sketchy as of late. They have very close wins against Army and Princeton. They had an okay win against Brown. And then they were just blown out in the Ivy semifinals. Now, granted, that was against a Yale team that felt they had to win to get in. But nonetheless, you would expect Cornell, the heavy Ivy favorites, to do better in that game. This is a game totally fueled by momentum, and I think these two teams are going in the opposite direction. I don't know, truthfully, if there is a team that can beat Michigan right now, and I'm including the ACC teams, and I get that's hyperbolic, but whoever, I think Duke is the plays the winner of this game, assuming Duke wins. I would be a little nervous if I was Duke, if I had to play Michigan. I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but this big blue, maize and blue team is, they're feeling something. And they got something going on in Ann Arbor. So even that fact that this game's in Ithaca, I don't care. I I, I got to take Michigan. I think all signs are pointing towards the Wolverines continuing their win streak here. I am 110% in agreement with you. Uh, I was really high on this Cornell team at the beginning of the year. Um, I did predict Princeton to win the Ivy, and at least they won the Ivy tournament, but they didn't play Cornell in it. So it doesn't really, it's a moot point. But Cornell was my, I thought they were going to be the second best team in the Ivy and turned out being the best team in the Ivy during the regular season, at least. this this matchup is going to be incredible. Um, Glazer, you surmised it perfectly. Both of these teams are on opposite trajectories right now. And Michigan has basically all the momentum in the world. They have not lost a game in which they really were just dominated in all facets and weren't in the game for the majority of it since they played Hopkins at the end of March and they lost that one 15, 11 at home. The two losses they've had since then was a loss at Rutgers by one in a game that they should have won. I think in my opinion and the game, their first matchup against Penn state at home that they blew a fourth quarter lead when they were up nine, six going into the fourth and they just let Penn state run away with it. Since then, they're 4-0, two wins over Ohio State, and then 
avenge the win against Penn State and beat Maryland again. They're 2-0 against Maryland, who is supposed the fourth best team in this committee's eyes right now. Uh, like, Michigan has everything going for them, and their offense looks hot. Uh, the combo of Zawada and Bohm are fantastic and having like outside producers, just like Bryce Clay and Ryan Cohen also to compliment them is incredible. And I mentioned it also before we started recording Hunter Taylor popped off in the big Ted championship game. Um, he split time in the Penn state game with uh, Shane Carr and Carr played in the first half and Hunter Taylor came in the second half and he basically won his spot for that entire game against Maryland because of how good he played against Penn State and if he can continue that momentum I mean oh my god just like have a day I, I do not see this Cornell team coming close to beating Michigan if that happens if they play honestly anywhere near the same way they played in both of the Big Ten championship or conference tournament games, uh, this team just looked like they just were possessed and they are on a mission right now. Yeah, I, I have to pick the Wolverines. All the momentum is on their side. Yeah, I really like the Wolverines here too. I mean, we've, we've basically harped on that they're the hottest team in college lacrosse right now. Um, and that's just like down to like their cast of characters on offense and defense. Um, I mean, you look at the offense, Bombs, Awada, and Cohen, they're leading the way in points. Um, but I think somebody who doesn't get enough credit, but who has been playing really well the last few games is Jacob Jackson, number 15. He's a midfielder. He doesn't score a whole lot, but he had three goals uh, against Maryland in their first matchup two goals against Rutgers, uh, a goal against Penn State, Ohio, a goal against Ohio State, and two in the second matchup, and then one in the semifinal matchup. He didn't score in the championship game, but you can tell he's really just the heart and soul of that team. He's not the biggest stat sheet guy. He's not the biggest um, goal scorer for the team, but when he scores, it it's juice goals. It's pure juice goals, and it gets the team fired up. He's a senior um, he's just been playing really well the last few games and just quietly carrying the the uh, emotional momentum for the Wolverines team. Um, the, they are really talented. They play with grit. They play with heart. Um, yeah, it's a crime that they're not the eighth seed and not hosting a game um, with the way they've played. But, you know, you got to give it to Cornell. They're 11 and three for a reason. Uh, just not just not playing up to their standards that they have all year in the last few weeks. I think that the Big Red gets upset here because Michigan is Michigan. They're the Big Ten champs for a reason, and they've played some of the best talent uh, in the last month and a half. So, yeah, pick the Wolverines, take the Wolves here. They're they're really freaking good, and they're gonna make some noise all over this bracket okay quick question here boys before we move on and i think i know the answer to this but given that michigan's the nine seed and cornell's the eight seed if michigan wins is this really an upset no there we go <laughs> said at the same time i love that shit moving on 
I agree. All right. Our next game is not a definitive set in stone. It is the number one seeded Duke Blue Devils playing whoever wins the play-in game on Wednesday between Marist and Delaware. And um, I am, this is very simple. Duke has been playing lights out. And whoever wins that play-in game, I don't think has a chance against Duke unless Delaware wants to pull off their first round miracle again, like they did last year against Georgetown. But I do, I just simply don't think that's happening in Durham. I, I yeah, I, I'm taking Duke and that's not going to change. Yeah, no, Duke is the right choice here. They're 13 and two. Brandon, o, Brandon O'Neill is leading the way at 80 points. I don't know how he doesn't get the tour done this year, but they're probably just going to give it to Colin Schellenberger because he's Colin Schellenberger. Um, which is unfortunate because uh, Brandon O'Neill, he's a big dude. He scores a lot. He, he's been feeding the ball a lot too. I think I harped on that at the beginning of the year. I just don't see him passing the ball too much, but he's got 44 goals and 36 assists. I say that's a pretty big improvement um, from the last few years. I mean, if you look at last year's total stats, he was 53 goals and 21 assists. He's getting closer and closer each year. Um, and he's playing really well. Dyson Williams is an amazing support for him. Um, I don't know if he's taking another year with Duke, but uh, isn't he a junior? I, I don't. I don't know. Was that? Isn't he a junior? No, he's a senior. At least oh, okay. on at least on Inside Lacrosse website, he has him listed as a senior, but Inside Lacrosse gets it wrong a lot. So, um, yeah, and Andrew McAdory and. That freshman from Manhattan, Charles Balsamo, he's playing really well. Uh, I think he needs to get this the ball out of his stick a little bit more. But you know, you got to you got to do anything you can to drive attention away from O'Neill and Williams. So uh, I think Duke takes care of whoever they play, no matter uh, who wins the Delaware Mares game. Um, yeah, O'Neill is a junior. This is only his third year. His first year was 2021. Oh, I thought you were talking about Williams. Oh, no, no, yeah, no. Sorry. I thought you were talking about Williams, too. Yeah, I think you said Williams, but I could be wrong. My bad. Yeah. Um, Duke's going to win this game. It doesn't matter if it's Marist. doesn't matter if it's Delaware. doesn't matter if it's some team that they pull out of thin air and Denver makes a surprise appearance. Duke is going <laughs> to win this game. Uh, I do want to take a moment, uh, because we have the time, to just shed some light on Duke and our perceptions of them because they've been near the top of the standings, but Duke was our number 10 ranked team in the preseason poll. Mm -hmm. And that I don't think was a shock to anyone. I think that was pretty much the consensus of this is a good team, but this is a team that just doesn't have the guys. Look at what we said early in the year. Who does Duke really have outside of Brennan O'Neill and maybe Dyson Williams? And you maybe can say the same question now, but this team has delivered. Yes, they had that February slip up against Jacksonville, but that was one and one alone. They are, they're just feeling, they're feeling, I think, the makings of a championship weekend season. And I think because they are the number one seed and number one seeds have made it 18 of the last 19 years, you can almost punch their ticket to Memorial Day weekend right now. You definitely can punch their ticket past this weekend. I can almost guarantee it. Last thing I'll say is I think Duke playing Merrimack this past weekend was a great idea. It was a neutral site. 
It was no problem for the Blue Devils. They won 14 to 2, whatever, move on. But they got a game in. Unlike Virginia, they don't have two weeks off. They they just got the play underneath of them. And I think it kept the boys engaged. And I and I know Lars has spoken about it before. Keeping them in keeping the guys interested for two weeks is tough. So I think that was a great decision by Donowski to, to kind of end end the season on kind of a scrimmage. But yeah, Duke, Duke here. Alrighty, we've arrived at our last game of the weekend. Uh, we have our, it's our surprise team, Princeton Tigers at the 12th seed, taking on five seed Penn State. Uh, listen, this is gonna. I, I, we, Drybin and I were on a call last night, and like we were going through all the picks and everything, and then Penn State showed up, and I'm like, I don't know who they're gonna put Penn State at if Penn State's at six right now. And he was a little behind in my f- facial expression when they when Princeton showed up, my jaw just dropped to the floor. It was unbelievable that we're going to get this matchup because these are really two hot teams right now. Um, more so Princeton because they just won the Ivy League championship and Penn State got uh, trounced by uh, Michigan in the Big Ten semifinal. I really, I I don't know. I really like Princeton, to be quite fair. I'm a vibe guy, and I just think the vibes are pointing in uh, Princeton's direction right now. Uh, Penn State, they've played some really close games. Hopkins, Michigan, lost to Maryland. They lost to Marquette, uh, and they lost to Villanova earlier this year. Um, Close game with Cornell, um, holding them to six goals. And, yeah, they pretty much beat all the top um, Ivy League teams. I think they add this team to their Ivy League resume and win the Ivy League championship officially in this – or actually, I take that back. I think Princeton takes them down uh, for beating all the other Ivy League teams. I just like Princeton's vibe. I like how they're playing. Uh, with Sam English going down and that other kid going down to season-ending injuries, they played pretty well the last few weeks. So I really like them here. No knock to Penn State. I think they're a really good team, and you know they could very well win this game as well. They have, I think, the better defense in this matchup. But I think when it comes to offense, I think Princeton has the edge. I think they just put up a lot of goals and you know make this a two, three goal game. Earlier I said I thought Hopkins got lucky with their matchup, and I think Penn State, on the flip side, got royally screwed over by this matchup. Royally screwed over. It's almost like the committee has some sort of bias. Well, we won't go that far. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe we'll hint at it, because I'm sympathetic to that. This This is a very, very tough matchup for Penn State in the first round. I think Princeton is essentially another version of Michigan right now. Uh, Their goalie is seeing the ball twice the size it normally is. Their offense is clicking, even without their guys. But if we look at Princeton on the whole this year, they've been a disappointment. Um, Dryban, I think you picked them to win the Ivy, right? And and I think a lot of people did, right? This This is a championship weekend team from last year. And they have, what, six losses? It's, it's, It's not the standard, I think. Um, in Princeton, in Princeton, New Jersey, and and 
I think in many ways they find themselves fortunate to be in the tournament. I mean, they won because they had to. And I think that's been the mantra of this past month. On the flip side, Penn State's are total opposite. Penn State has had a phenomenal year with absolutely no expectations. Um, Drybane pointed out earlier that in our preseason rankings, we had Bobby Moe ranked ahead of Penn State. Um, so just to show you the astronomical rise of this Nittany Lions team, uh, Voight, I'm right there with you. I would love to take Princeton, um, but unlike some other semifinal teams that lost, Penn State and Michigan was a thriller. I mean, Penn State lost that game just because they didn't touch the ball last. Like, it's not as though they got blown out by any margin. Uh, and I think Penn State gets a huge advantage by playing this one at home. And I think, truthfully, Princeton's I think Princeton used so much energy earning the AQ that I don't know if they can sustain it for one more game. Uh, meanwhile, I think Penn State in the Big Ten with their Ivy League schedule in addition to that, they've just played a harder season and they're better for it. So I do like the Nittany Lions here in a, in a very close one. A great Sunday night conclusion. My, my thought process for this game Oh my God, Glazer, we have the exact same picks this week. God damn it. <laughs> I was going to, like I said, I was going to go Maryland, but I'm like, I, if I pick Maryland and army wins and I wanted to pick army, I will, I will be so upset. So I'm, I'm fine to take Very a time fair. here. <laughs> um, my, my thought process through this one is that Voight, you are correct. Princeton looks phenomenal right now. And, uh, Gian Farcaro, their goalie was absolutely lights out i know we highlighted uh hunter for michigan but holy shit john forcaro in the semifinals especially against penn and in the final against yale it wasn't as noticeable in the final because that was a blowout for in princeton's favor but against penn in the semifinal he just single-handedly kept them in that game like he was like penn you're not winning today we are gonna win this game and i will save as many shots as I need to until our offense puts the ball in the back of the net enough that we win. I don't know if he's going to be able to three-peat that Herculean effort, though, um, especially against a Penn State team that is very good shot selection. Like we said, in that first half against Michigan, they tore up Shane Carr. He only had a 33% save percentage against that team. And... Penn State is very prolific on offense and they still managed to score 15 against Michigan. And like Glazer said, with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, they went on a three goal run. And little did you know, with six minutes left, it was a two goal game again after Michigan looked like they were just going to run away with it. And Penn State said, hold on, wait, we don't want you to run away with it. We are still here. Michigan held off for the win, but that game became very close, very fast. Um, and I also, I, this is just my bias coming in again. I do not respect Yale as a team, and I do not think they're very good. I think they can squeak out some wins sometimes against top 20, like they get against Cornell. But I just simply don't think they are a consistent enough team or good enough team. And I think that showed against Princeton. Like, I mean, Princeton beat them even worse in the regular season. And that was before we were considering Princeton, like, to be good again. So, uh, I... It's great that they got the AQ, and I do think this Princeton team is very good, but I don't think they're going to be good enough to get past this new Nittany Lion team that it is also playing in Happy Valley. I think 
Penn State having home field advantage is huge in this one. And I, I think the Lions are going to pull away with it and get to the quarterfinals again. That is it for the first round. Strange. For so many weeks of the year, we've been t- picking 35, 40 games. And here we just have, what, nine? Um, it's just a little different vibe. But it allows us to dedicate some more time to the individual teams. Um, and this is truly we're in tournament time. So if you want to take Bryant, hell, if you want to take Utah, you're probably not that far off. Things, crazy things can happen in this tournament. Um, and if this season saws anything, crazy things will happen. We also got the MCLA playoffs. We got D3 playoffs. I know Mr. Voigt is heading out west in the Denison region to watch the Lynchburg Hornets try to squeak out of that area. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, and I lucked out too, because Ohio Westland's graduation is on Saturday too. So I'll get to be able to catch a little bit of that before uh, I head over to the game and see some of my buddies from college. So it should be a very entertaining weekend. Um, I think it's a very good matchup for Lynchburg and, you know, good chance they're playing on Sunday against the big red. So, but we'll see. Um, yeah, uh, all I will say is before we head out, congrats to Hopkins. The committee likes you. Who saw that coming? Drop in. The Yellow Jackets beat Texas. Who do they oh, have yeah. next? They are going to be playing either 7th seed Concordia, Irvine, a Cali school, or 10 seed Northeastern. So, not a great matchup in the quarterfinals. We lost to Northeastern in the regular season, but... We'll see how it goes. I like I like the boys. We'll back the boys. I think they'll do good. And if you're a fan of MCLA, it's pretty freaking cool. There is a Canadian team, Simon Fraser, in the tournament this year. Mm-hmm. So grow the game is growing, baby. It's awesome. And Simon Fraser is really good. They're playing Georgia first round. They're eleven and zero. They could upset. They're the eleven seed. So who knows? But it's a it's a good old Canadian team making an impact. That is freaking awesome. That that is awesome. Uh, the Gettysburg Bullets made an at-large bid. Uh, they are taking on Scranton, and if they win, they have to play Christopher Newport. And I oh. know the boys will be looking for an upset, but that is a very tall task. Just shows it goes to show how important winning our conference is at the D3 level. Um, we will continue uh, as we have more time in the throughout the month of May to kind of go over MCLA D3 stuff as we can. Um, because it's cool and it's exciting and we want to spread the love as we can. But as always, thank you for joining us. Enjoy the play-in game on Wednesday. Enjoy the weekend. Everything is on ESPNU, so there is no excuse not to watch it. As always, thank you. Share the podcast with a friend. Pick wisely. Be well. Stay classy.